0: Oh, oh, one more thing. Oh, well,
1: listen, there's
0: one more thing. Uh, just one more thing. Yes, just one more thing. A podcast about Colombo. I'm John Morris,
2: and I'm RJ White. This time we're talking about Agenda for Murder. Originally broadcast February 10th, 1990. Written by Jeffrey Bloom, directed by Patrick McGowan, mm. and also starring Patrick McGowan, Dennis Arndt. And Peter Falk as Columbo.
0: And every episode of Just One More Thing, we're joined by a special guest. This time around, we're rejoined by two special guests. Huh? Huh? Writers, pop culture critics, and podcast hosts Matt Wilson and Christopher Rasputina Sims. But before we bring (laughs) them on, RJ... Uh,
2: tell us what's on your mind. Oh, man, John, you, you know what this year is? What year it is? It's a leap year. Oh, yeah, but also it's an election year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're voting for one of those uh, those presidents again. Seems like yeah. that's happening every like, couple of years now. And now we're knee-deep in primary season. Who are you who are you voting for, John?
0: Uh, a little ambivalent. It's, uh, me.
2: Uh, oh, me, no? Me, it's it's uh, Governor Montgomery all the way. Ah. He's a great governor. I, I really agree with him on a lot of issues. Uh, oil wells landing the horizon, uh, getting rid of them homeless, stopping the foreigners from buying property here, the gold the US of A. All very strong stands, but they're, they're, there's one thing, one small uh, detail uh, that I'm not sure about, though.
0: And uh, and what's that, RJ?
2: Well, it, it's his whole stance on the... Choosing running mates whose closest political advisors murder racketeers who tried to blackmail the advisor and the running mate due to decades-old criminal acts by the political advisor and aforementioned running mate—I'm not sure if I agree with that plank on the platform. I mean, who, who else yeah, is? Yeah. yeah, who who else is running? Uh,
0: well, we've got uh, Marco Rubio, uh, huh. Ted Cruz, uh, Ooh, Donald okay. Trump yeah. is uh,
2: running. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with the murder ticket.
0: That's a good plan.
2: There we go! Politics! (laughs) Topicality! Hey! Chris and Matt, welcome back to the show.
1: Hello. Hello. (laughs) It is is great to be back. I did not know we were going to talk about an episode of Columbo. What? John John told me that I was invited just to roast RJ over his hair choices circa 2000.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they... The blue and the orange and the green and the whatnot. What the hell are we talking about that about? All right, yeah, all right, sure, we can do that. I, and I, was, told,
3: I was told that I was going to be brought in for a political discussion, so I'm here wearing my traditional uh, paper hat.
0: <laughs> okay. and, yeah, I, I swear i could hear uh, a band playing happy days are here again yes.
1: in yes of your room so i assume yes. oh that's yes. weird because i just hear this uh this slow orchestral version of this old man yes. <laughs> uh, oh. and
3: when anybody says anything that uh, you know s- says that my candidate is not going to do so well in the polls i'm just going to punch right through that hat that's We're good. Okay. That's, a... Th- that's what I assume those paper hats are for.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It. When you get frustrated at the end of the night when you, the candidate is just uh, sitting in the empty office and there's all that uh, confetti and the streamers just sitting there and he just looks sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in like, like, like Norman Rockwell painting, he's just like – then then you punch the hat like, oh! I'm nerds. I'm lucky
0: to, to think that at the end of this episode when the murder allegation was <clears> revealed, <throat> it was just an entire hotel full of people punching through their straw hats.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, no, I know that it's a recurring theme on the show, uh, where where you try to debate who actually served jail time, right? And yes, n- n- like Patrick not McGowan,
2: a not a not a day no. in jail. No, no, no. but let we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. He wa- that, he is, out of that one. That is definitely an issue. But I, yeah, I thought about that as well. Uh, but first, let's talk about why uh, this episode was chosen because yeah, uh, you folks were on before. You did a seventies episode. Uh, Give the option to do a 90s one. Uh, why did you choose this one, even just uh, based on the summary? Because it was a Magoon episode, pretty much?
1: I I think you came to me to to pick the episode. And yeah, like it was, I just wanted to do a Magoon.
2: Yes, and this one, I mean, for a 90s episode, this one's good. And I think uh, 90% of it comes down to him being in it, him directing it. it, it it's mm-hmm. actually one of the best 90s ones I've seen so far. In my, it yeah. gives you
0: hope. And what's weird is that it was written by a by the guy who did not write two other very good episodes.
2: Oh, which ones did he do? Hold on. Uh, yeah, well, see.
0: he wrote Columbo Goes to College, which is – Oh, good, yeah. Oh, gosh. That oh, it goodness actually,
2: gracious. Yeah. It
0: actually references this episode, Columbo Goes to College.
2: Oh, it does? Wait. How so? Re- oh.
0: When Columbo is giving his uh, lecture to the criminology students, he actually mentions – Getting the chewed gum.
2: Right. Oh my God.
0: So there you go. We got that link. Goodness. And gosh, uh, he also best. wrote another episode we haven't talked about yet, which oh, is oh the
2: ripped torn uh, lottery yes. one. Yes.
0: Murder hits the jackpotters.
2: Oh like. my God. Death hits the jackpot. Yeah. Oh wow. I've so yeah, Bart, that's the one. That's the one the monkey, the pet monkey.
0: I will say though that uh, the Columbo fan sites and fan groups uh, disagree with us on Columbo goes to college for the most part. Really? They actually really like it.
2: Guys, I saw it,
0: yeah, I saw it too. And yeah, I,
2: and I uh, was not a fan. C- Chris, Matt, separate. have you
0: have you seen Columbo goes to college?
3: I'd be mean, just based on the title alone. I think I'm gonna have to go dig it up and watch it.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh,
3: Is that the oh, one
1: okay. where Columbo uh, goes to college? Oh man, I was gonna make an Animal <laughs> House joke, but I yeah. but I remember that you made an Animal House joke on that uh, that episode of the podcast. Oh, the int- so the, no, the intro I haven't seen. Was,
2: it. The intro was talking about. Uh, Murder house, yes. Right. Yeah, you did the whole Dean well,
1: Wormer speech. Yeah. <laughs> well, in,
2: in my head, Columbo gets
3: thrown into a dorm room with some nerds.
2: That's right, and has to teach them not yeah. to be nerds. Just or, they to, head above his head, yeah. or they have to save the uh, library museum with the bikini car wash.
1: Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like the best possible version of Columbo Goes to College is, like, the first half hour is just the first half hour of uh, back to school. <laughs> and then they find Sam Kinnison dead. He
2: has to go back to right? to to recertify right. himself to be a detective. They just find
1: Sam Kinnison dead and like, <laughs> you know, Rodney Dangerfield thinks he's going to get away with it.
2: Uh, the people who Columbo don't like us up. going off of so, diversions are not going to like this one All So they send
0: Columbo out to a California highway to look at a, a wreck of a semi truck?
2: Yeah. Wait. What? Oh God. Just God. Just actually Ooh. referencing oh, the actual geez, death the Sam Good night, good, good night. Good lord.
0: Why <laughs> like Kennison wouldn't have made jokes about
3: it
2: That's if he were dead yeah. on a
3: California highway. Yeah. So circling back to around to agenda for murder. Yeah. Well, we're actually uh, talking
2: about the episode. Thank you, Matt. Um, Thank you very much, sir.
3: So, so Chris actually picked this episode because of Patrick McGowan, but I actually got really excited when we were when I was watching it because. Uh, it sort of applies to me and hmm. my past life as a political reporter. Oh, hey, okay. So, so I, I uh, oh, did I know that. A person who covered a Mike Huckabee <laughs> rally that Chuck Norris spoke at. Well, okay, great. Back in back in 2008. God bless and, you. Yeah. For doing uh, the the Lord's work there. It it was it was oh difficult. Gosh. It was a difficult time for all. But anyway, uh, the I, I was excited because I was like, oh, this is about an election. And there's going to be some like political machinations, and it's going to be about that. But outside of maybe the first 15 minutes, all that stuff gets kind of thrown aside really quickly, right? And it becomes about Patrick McGowan having worked uh, in the district attorney's office.
2: But one well, thing actually, about no, the... he didn't. He worked in a private law firm. But his friend, who's the presumptive right. vice, vice presidential candidate, yeah stole and destroyed documents for Patrick McGowan like about 20, 30 years before this episode took place. He was a cleaning crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So So it's kind of almost worse because this guy now has this huge thing to hide and Patrick McGowan wants to be attorney general and so he'll do whatever the heck it takes that he's like the little tricks he's learned to murder people in his career as a criminal attorney to just flat out kill a guy.
3: That's Just right. The to vice, preserve it. The, the presumptive vice president, <clears throat> presidential nominee, yeah. was in the district attorney's office and helped out his buddy. That's right. Yeah. Um, but they had worked together in the past some, somewhere, and that's how they knew each other. Like, they were in the same firm before or something
2: like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you have to assume they've both also done terrible things in the past. And if, oh, uh, yeah. If McGowan's character, uh, Oscar Finch, has been, like, the kind of fixer for this guy and been, like, a political operative for a while... You know he's done terrible, terrible things. That didn't probably quite get up to murder, but probably just scraping the edge of that. And the, the vice years.
3: president, the congressman, yeah. The fact that he <clears throat> has no compunction at all about lying to protect Patrick McGowan. Oh which, yeah. Uh, means that he's done this many times before. He's oh yeah. Probably
2: he's done some terrible stuff too, probably. Yeah. At the at the very least, perjury oh i'd sure. like to
0: would like to actually ask you about that as a as a political reporter uh one of the scenes I thought was most interesting is where McGowan's character just straight up confesses the murder oh, yes
2: that's a i love that scene yes
0: and he he when he's confronted with any kind of shock or dismay his response is uh i'd i'd appreciate if you understood that it was necessary
2: yes and also just ask him like oh it's like uh, yeah, because as the, the 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 candidate says something about like actually confronts, the judge, and the Bagunda says, "Oh, and how would you feel about that?"
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: completely casual about it, and just,
0: But oh. do you think? Do you think when political cronies have committed major crimes, they just get together and casually mention it to each other?
3: I think there's a lot more of. Listen, what you don't know, it it's better that you don't know. I think that's what a lot I was of expecting. That being ah. said
0: okay i'm 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 a little shocked by that scene, not simply being uh and help me out, Oliver, what's his name Finch Finch Oliver Finch uh oh, that's right, I don't have any finches uh Oliver mm-hmm. Finch would have said you know it's better you don't know, but I need an alibi,
3: yeah
2: right, exactly, but, but, but he yeah. just he just gets him into it so deep at that point,
3: just say we had a meeting. Mm-hmm. And right. don't ask any more questions, mm-hmm. I think is which is how been...
0: that's how you and Sims first met, i think <laughs> so yes. that's right
3: right <laughs> <laughs> but but I was really interested in the political stuff at the <clears throat> beginning, mm-hmm. because in the world in the universe of Colombo, the entire pol- like the entire United States is california
0: right yes, because... yeah, And san Fran- San Francisco's your only problem with a conservative candidate.
3: That's right. Yeah, so which is like, insanity. Like the governor of California is is absolutely the go-to nominee for whatever party he's supposed to be. I <laughs> guess he's probably a Republican.
2: I yeah. just just from how um uh Mackey the uh, the vice presidential guy was just kind of giving out his whole little platform from whatever big speech he'd given, it seemed a little Republican. Yeah. Talking also... about the terrible homeless, talking about just drill it into wherever they can drill for oil talking yeah. about those evil people from across the seas buying yeah. up buildings which in this time like 1990s that was a huge thing like oh people from asia are buying property in the u.s they're gonna buy this entire country i mean it was like a huge thing then so it seemed very very republican
3: he's also kind of got a dan quayle thing going on
2: oh a little bit yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but, a little yeah the the congressman is also from california
3: <laughs> yes which is like, weird too. Everybody's from California. Well, that's
2: actually that made me wonder. Like, was the governor really uh, California's governor, or was he from somewhere else and he was just in town for Maybe. this primary he, celebration? I don't. I don't, I think don't he does feel
3: a little southern because, he feels like, he yeah, could yeah be no, from he's Texas got a or yeah,
2: he's got a southern accent, and it seems like it's the California primary. But then, I mean, realistically too, like, you wouldn't be announcing your vice presidential candidate at the primary you'd be waiting for another couple of months until the actual convention but also the California
3: yeah. primary has never mattered.
2: Yeah right. that too, yeah. yeah it's also, the last one in the yes. country. Right? Yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things are decided and people already know which way they're going to go for the That's most part. So. I had not no, yeah, say yeah. that at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really they staged
0: this at the least tense primary in America. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
2: True. Yeah. Uh
0: you know, not a lot of stakes. Yeah. I have to be honest, I really thought you and Sims picked this episode because Patrick McGowan looks so much like 1990s Stan Lee in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he does. He really bit. does. Genuinely Big does.
0: glasses and everything. Well, not
2: just that. Actually, he also looked like, he reminds me, um, uh, Identity Crisis, the uh, 70s McGowan episode we've talked about before, uh, there's the uh, the fake guy he Pretends to be in that episode. Oh yeah, the older and guy. He... The um, ah, the name's escaping me.
0: Yeah, but the the you're right. The makeup. But the he looks stuff.
2: like he in this episode. He looks very much like the makeup of the older guy. He's pretending to be.
0: Oh, I hadn't brought Identity hadn't put crisis. Yeah, right. yeah,
2: yeah.
3: I'll admit that I almost totally didn't recognize him when he first appeared.
2: Oh was, the, yeah, I know. Yeah, the the mustache, and mustache and everything. weird hair, and but the, then the, the... voice. <laughs> the the voice. It's definitely Patrick McGowan. There's so many oh, yeah. times in this with the line delivery. And he's just almost on the verge of the. Like, I know. From, I, like, love the his, I love his delivery. Unbelievably, yes.
1: it's the so like, odd. Patrick McGowan in this episode, like, one hundred percent of the reason I picked this is because when you know the last time Matt and I were on was the first time that I had ever watched Columbo. and I and I told you guys then that like yeah. I, I skipped around a little bit, and number one was Johnny Cash, like that was the first one that I wanted to say. Of
2: course, and then the second one.
1: Was I watched the like the two and three were the two uh, McGuin episodes that are on ah, Netflix?
2: Nice, okay. Because you know I'm a
1: huge Patrick McGuin guy. I'm a huge fan of The Prisoner. I love him. He's so great.
2: And those and two I just are great. The, he's great in those. Yeah,
1: he's really good, and he's he's really good in this. But he does that Patrick McGuin thing, and this is something that I mentioned to to John a couple days ago, or maybe to to RJ. I was talking to both of you in separate separate <laughs> windows. <laughs> what? I'm done. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, like, you we, you talk about when does Columbo know? And it's like as soon as you lay eyes on Patrick McGowan, <laughs> yes. you're like, oh, that super weird, super intense dude. Yeah, is definitely guilty of something. We need to we need to track this down. Right. I love how, uh, but I do want to. I, I do want to get into this idea of McGowan. Well, the like the idea of. Oscar Finn, you know, Begoon's character, as this this political fixer, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this is clearly not the first time he has done something like this. Oh, right, yeah. That leads me to my first thing about this episode, my first point about this episode, which is that it's bullshit. This whole episode is complete bullshit. (laughs) How do you mean? Like, which way? The, like, the murder... Okay, because if you want to go through the murder, like... McGowan does everything right yeah. in, the, in the course of this murder. like He is a dude who knows that you have to fake powder burns
2: right. no, because he, on he's, a guy's hands. Yeah, he's, he's a, a, a criminal attorney who has probably represented a lot of terrible people and gotten them off. And so he knows a lot of the ins and outs, which that is something I like that they leave unsaid. You just have to assume yeah. that's how but he I mean, knows how to get him... a murder, which is great. Yeah. We
1: see him going through everything. We see him faking the powder burns. We see him wiping fingerprints off the shell casings.
2: Yes,
3: yeah,
1: which is a, a big thing. And There's one thing that, he
3: does that I don't. That is the stupidest thing.
2: But we'll get to that in a second. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, like, so he goes into the home of uh, Mad Magazine publisher Bill Gaines,
2: <laughs> right. and also uh, Paul Reiser's father in Mad About You, Mr. Buckman, who yeah. owns the uh, the sporting goods store, which I yeah, thought bad you talking about Criminal Santa Claus? Yes, Criminal Santa Claus, yes.
1: Talk about Bad Rack- Santa in Rack- this Rack- So uh, <laughs> he goes into his house, they have their conversation, and then it, it is, I will say, of the Columbo episodes that I've watched, like, it is one of the more visceral and i think effective yes murders.
2: oh definitely he and just I think like that...
1: steps up on him yes gun to the head and shoots him it's fast, yeah, yeah which
2: i mean there's a lot i mean like uh mcguin's direction in this i think is actually really good because like uh, the, the 90s episodes aren't really uh distinctive in how they look visually compared to the 70s ones but this one for a 90s episode and Magoon does some interesting stuff. Like, even his, especially the scene where he's preparing the bullets with the foil and everything. A lot of close ups, a lot of, like, really sharp cuts. And that goes into the murder, too. And actually, it makes it a lot more interesting looking than a lot of the other ones in this era. It's, it's really
3: interestingly shot. Like, scenes that would be really boring are interesting because they're shot so weirdly.
2: Yes. Oh, the, the, uh, the uh, ballroom scenes. Well, there's a scene the where darkness. The, it's right yeah. at the
3: beginning when, uh, the, the, racketeer guy who's trying to kind of blackmail him calls him at home and he and his wife are coming home from dinner mm-hmm. and the shot is just this static shot of their their really well-appointed living room Yeah. that doesn't move. Occasionally there might be like a, a mid, like a medium shot of McGowan talking mm-hmm. into the phone but for the most part it's just that one static shot of the whole room and him sitting there talking on the phone and it's it's way more – like, I had the thought of, like, this is a lot more cinematic than most TV shows of that yeah, era. That like the recall. 70s
2: ones. Like, he actually yeah. tried in this one to make it and actually very – yeah, no, this one I thought looked a lot better than some of the ones I've seen from uh, this time period.
0: I was surprised when I was looking oh, at, at McGowan's directing credits that he did not direct uh, by Dawn's Early Light, which I thought yeah. – the int- the intros to both of these shared a lot in common. Or at least the murder prep shared a lot in common.
2: Oh yeah, yeah they really oh gosh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, another thing too, like um, I uh, watching the like opening scenes of this, where it starts with the um, uh, you hear like the sound of like the news report establishing the story for the episode, pretty much like the situation, mm-hmm. and then cutting to, in the car, shot from the back seat, and identity crisis, but part way through the episode. Pretty much the exact same thing. After he commits the murder, um, he's driving into work. It's like the exact same thing where it's setting up a lot of story stuff. Him in a car driving on the radio. So it borrows from that one, too. So actually, it's interesting. Maybe he they took from both episodes, the 70s that he was in, to like throw the elements in this, too. Huh. But the, the thing is, you
1: get the murder. You mm-hmm. get You get him shooting him. You get this elaborate setup. You get, you know, he has a prop that is the the catalyst for the suicide, which is a Xerox newspaper clipping that has been neatly folded and unfolded, which is hilarious. Yes. And he pulls it out of like a, a mylar bag too. He pulls it out of something that you would keep in a safe.
2: He's been carrying it. He's been keeping it in a safe just in case.
0: I'm sure that's the murder safe, and I'm sure there's more people. There's more files and, and documents in there for people who might
2: blackmail oh, in the future. Okay. He uh-huh. takes, he gets he ready for the through, murder.
1: He goes through all this, and then he gets there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll eat some cheese. I'll have some <laughs> some I'll have some, some, some crudites while I'm oh, here. Can I have some, Would you like some meatball sandwich? I'll just eat a little bit.
2: But then doesn't yeah, finish it. Yeah, he gets well, interrupted the in is, the middle they, of a che- cube of cheese by the murder.
1: Ugh. They try to they they try to play it off. Uh, or I guess McGowan tries to play it on, because he he is the director of this episode oh. by as he's cleaning up the table, like and, you know, wiping away all of his fingerprints and everything. And he's got his wife's dishwashing gloves on, which I thought was a nice touch. Yes. I would think that dude would have murder gloves, but, but yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> uh, but like the phone rings. <clears throat> and so he like, you know, there's a very close, very prisoner-esque uh, close shot of McGowan's face. And then he like very hurriedly like finishes cleaning up like you know wipes he wipes off the rim of the plate he was holding I think, and then just bails, leaving his own half eaten food on the table. And okay, I realize that this is a in the real world that is a pretty safe bet that they're not going to check out the cheese bites. Uh, and I realize that this is a show that that predates CSI by over a decade. <laughs> This is a pre-CSI world, but if you have watched a procedural, like instantly, you're like, "Oh, they're gonna get him with the cheese," and then especially when in like two scenes later, Columbo goes, "Hey, everybody, you at home? At this cheese. Pay special attention to this cheese." Can, can, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play back. Actually. Oh,
2: sorry. Yes,
0: I'm gonna play back because uh, Peter Falk mentions this episode in his autobiography. Uh. And there's so much to discuss in this part of it, but uh, apparently, like the the artistry of forensic bite matching was fairly new. So in a 19, well, they had talked 19, about it in
1: Police Chief Magazine, the August <laughs> issue, yes, <exactly. laughs> which is
0: a, this yes. will blow your mind. That is a real magazine. Oh no, yeah, no,
2: no. Chris, Chris, yeah, Oh, I Chris went to
1: the is,
0: website earlier. We we're talking right. about
2: that today. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it is not it's even still the around. only. It's not yeah. the only magazine for police chiefs.
2: <laughs> what?
0: There's three more that I could find for different levels of, of police executives.
2: And there's like writers, each magazine, wanting to move up to the next one. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> That's I get... a police chief. scooped us I... again. I got to get to commission a magazine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All we got is a police chief, traffic cop, beat cop, uh, meet a maid. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, here's the thing. So the magazine that, that, Paul F- Bart that Lumbo holds up at the end of the episode is – a magazine that had been in Falk's possession for five years.
2: Oh, he actually—that was his magazine.
0: That was his magazine. He had been at the dentist, and his his dentist inexplicably had because it of, was the tooth
1: matching issue. Maybe. Oh but my god! Had, like,
0: had police had people and uh, like Time and Police Chief magazine. Wow. And Colum- and and uh, Falk was looking at it and thinking this would make a really good clue in Colombo. And pocketed it. Now, here's, here's <laughs> what's really charming is that according to the time frame that Falk describes in his autobiography, this was about the midpoint between Columbo ending and Columbo starting up again. So his optimism was at full tilt.
2: Oh, see, he, would, he didn't know <laughs> if they were going to be doing the series again. He thought, like, well, someday yeah. we do this again. I'm going to keep this just in yeah. case.
0: And he just, when, I nice.
3: start writing, when I start writing my Columbo radio dramas. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go in there,
0: oh, that sounds really good. A be, radio drama. actually
2: God, that'd be nice that would be really
0: but nice it's just
3: but, like, okay,
2: so the biting of huh. cheese is
3: one not brilliant thing that he does, right, but there are two other kind of baffling things that he does. tear them apart one is the sending the facts. now, I understand why he sends the facts because he wants to make the wife think. Make the wife wonder why the second page didn't come, so she would like alert people to come find the body.
2: Well, wait, wait, no, no, the the um... no he sent. It. No, the the no. murder victim had sent it and yeah. was going to send the second one, but Maguin came over and interrupted him. I thought Maguin
1: sent the fax. no, no, no. no Maguin was... doesn't send the facts. No, he, it was, he he was old Mister Buckman. Old well, uh... Mister
2: Buckman sent it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So well, I, Transformers
1: I to... the movie era, Orson Welles is uh, in the middle <laughs> of his faxing. <laughs> yes.
2: Okay. So how, many, that, how many personas does this guy have? Okay. This I like, oh, look, like you hear this? ten.
1: That's the notebook <laughs> on the table. <laughs> I'm,
2: just, I'm just that guy. <laughs> okay. That I did not. I did. All not. right.
3: So what's
0: what's number two?
3: That I had wrong because for some reason, like halfway through the episode, I was like, "Why?" I was just thinking, like, "Why am I going to send that fax?" And I just had my facts wrong. Okay. So that one is forgiven,
2: so to speak. The facts uh, wrong. Sorry
3: yeah uh, the the scene where Colombo has to like is amazed by the concept of a fax,
2: yeah you know, <laughs> that he, one's
3: <laughs> fun. I love that <laughs> yes like was that like,
0: secretary working for like big facts
3: everything <laughs> she said about a fax
2: see though he, I liked her I He like, reacted
3: to with <laughs> wow, it was honestly what, honest, what I liked the
2: secretary though, I liked that scene because she was playing the just. Subdued, sad, yeah, she freaked out thing very well. Like she was but sad. It, her but... boss was her crook Santa Claus. Thank you, Chris. Boss was dead. She was very sad about it, and that actress played it very well. about modern age, Kenny Longham.
0: Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, uh.
2: Well, I think I might have oh, one. I'll have God. one. I'll,
0: we'll use it next time it comes up. Okay. Uh, okay. But uh, it, so the, it was like she was personally paid by Walter J. Fax, inventor of the fax machine, to talk about how wonderful <laughs> faxes were.
3: Well, well, when she says it's a facsimile, <laughs> and and Columbo goes
2: facsimile, Simile. like Betsy. oh, that's what it means. <laughs> well, here's the thing though. Like uh, 1990, was it still a relatively newish thing? I don't remember. Well, keep
0: in mind that the fax machine was invented during the Civil War, so...
2: Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the it other was thing the Civil War uh, when the murder victim uh, was alive and uh, delivering uh, candies to children.
0: I think it was the Civil War. It was around then. It was yeah. a, it's a giant machine operated over telegraph and could do the same thing a fax could do.
2: But... That's a horse, John.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, G. so that one, that one, forget. But the other dumb thing... That still blows my mind. And, again, I think I understand why he did it. When he goes back to his office and he's, like, you know, making sure that all the bullet stuff is just so and and doing a lot of prep in his office, he then takes a cigar.
2: Yeah, I don't get this one either.
3: And yeah. he, puts, he gets out an ashtray and he unravels the cigar and all the contents therein and then just lights it up and fills the room with smoke and makes Mm. it smell like cigar smoke, and that becomes a thing throughout the rest of the episode where like he's got this alibi about having a meeting in his office, but Columbo's a little suspicious about the cigar smoke, and there's a whole thing about like a a spray that covers up the smoke smell, and it's Mm -hmm. magic, so it makes it go away.
2: The thing is, I I kind of... I thought that was weird, too, but I kind of get it because you want to establish Mm. a just... ridiculously obvious alibi thing where everyone in the office is like, oh, the smell, like, oh, he must have been here last night. Why else would there be this intense, terrible stink of burned rubber and diapers? Who knows? It's,
0: it's like he could not conceive of a world where you could have a late night meeting and not smoke a cigar. Right. But it, yeah, but, you're but you're that's gonna, strange.
2: If you're going to set up your <laughs>
3: alibi with that, if you're going to go to that much trouble to set up your alibi... Then tell the person that you're supposed to have met with, which I guess he had to decide at the last minute that it was the congressman because right, he tries to yes. do yeah. attorney-client privilege first. Yeah, But tell that guy, oh, oh right, yeah, we smoked cigars. <laughs> because yeah. then Columbo nails the congressman, mm-hmm. like, ask him, like, do you smoke? And he's
1: like, not anymore.
0: Oh, all right yeah, yeah. so there's definitely no not
1: cover. cigars and certainly not at two in the morning yes, exactly <laughs> It's yeah. this ridiculously complicated alibi setup like that he goes through it's everything is it's a fucking Rube Goldberg device yes <laughs> of murder and alibi and and staging and <laughs> so like you know it's the cheese immediately, and it's gonna be the cheese, and it's like when you know it's the cheese? There are there's over an hour left in this episode.
2: I I, I like, got
1: and we're watching it without commercials.
2: I got I got to hit pause in this for a second to say like yes, I agree with all of this. I thought these exact same things. I I agree with everything everyone's saying, but then also I still really liked this episode a great deal and it's uh, mostly just down to Patrick McGoohan. Yeah, yeah, I think it still theory. it still works somehow. It's just weird ridiculous stuff, but this one, it still works really, really well, even in spite of all of this, I think.
3: Yeah, all the all the pieces of the mystery just don't quite add up. Like, like
2: Columbo's first... Oh, and the ending is just kind of like... Eh, eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. Columbo's we'll first inkling
3: that this is a murder is about a drop of blood on the floor. Yes. And the fact that the gun has fallen on top of that drop of blood and right. no drops of blood have fallen on that gun,
2: right, and there'd be a lot more blood if someone shot in the head, but yes, yeah, there's a thing I think of too, but yeah but but also, like,
3: I could totally imagine a situation where like somehow the gun was hung up on his on the guy's fingers.
0: Is it because mm-hmm. of arthritis
3: but, possibly because of arthritis, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and, yeah. And fallen on the floor like minutes later. Minutes later.
0: Yeah, I could see that too and that was that was a faulty premise. However, at this point in Columbo we're like this is like the 14th or 11th season or something like that. Right. And the thing's and been I, on
2: for like a nearly 30 years.
0: Yeah, and I think like when it first started a lot of the appeal of the show was in that since it wasn't a who done it, it was always how's he going to get them? But probably after you've done 12 seasons, you're like, yeah, we can figure out the, how you're going to get them. Let's just concentrate on whatever we consider the body of the episode.
2: Well, how how does that then, like a show that has run this long at this point, mm-hmm. where the audience knows what's going on, they're going along with you, you've built up a lot of goodwill. At what point are you kind of just relying on that too much?
1: Well,
0: I think when you've got well, episodes... story
2: and me. a television show... And like, I mean, there's a lot of like a different genres, different media where you have that sort of thing goes on for a long time. Where maybe you see him kind of like, okay, well, you let the the, the long uh, sort of uh, history do a lot more heavy lifting than it really should be doing mm-hmm. with the audience. Well, we've that's talked the about thing that thing for
1: person. me because when this episode, like when I when I picked this episode, what you want, right? What like the best Columbo episodes have are the joust. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to see, you want to see super intense Patrick McGowan, like just quivering with rage at all times. And you have this <laughs> a little McGowan. bit in this one.
2: Like one of my favorite scenes in this episode is, it's another oh, shot. Joke? No, no, it, better, it, it's before that. Where the joke, it's, is, um, the, the joke is great. The joke is <laughs> yeah. great. And, and we'll, to talk we'll about that. your,
0: the, the shot of it, by the way, too, where they wander to opposite sides of the car. Is, yes. Chef kiss fingers. But you know? but the other thing yeah.
2: is um, uh, Finch leaves I don't know if his house or his office and it's him in the car and the camera's in the back backseat and you can see Columbo parked up the road and mm-hmm. it's Finch just like, like clenching his fists and hitting his steering wheel because uh, yeah. he's so fresh like, oh, that guy again. But you don't really hear it, but it's like this kind of fun comic thing. And then by the time he pulls up, like, Columbo, how are you doing? And, like, trying to be... But it's a thing where he's like, oh, that guy again! But I, I love that scene. But, yes, the joke, too, is you, also
1: wonderful. You get a little bit of it. And what you get is good. Yes. Like, the like the joke and, and Patrick McGowan's reaction to the joke, which is basically standing on the street screaming, I'm a oh murderer! God. It's wonderful. Because there's <laughs> yeah. a
2: creepy thing... Okay, so let, let's talk about the scene a little bit. Um where Columbo's bringing up the faxes. Uh, like, why would this man have sent faxes to his wife if he was supposedly going to commit suicide? And he said, uh, one's a Jewish joke, one's an Irish joke, and Petraguin opts to want to hear the Jewish joke because he'd be less offended. Columbo reads it, and McGuin just stares at him for this awkward, uncomfortable few seconds before then going, ha! Ah! And then just falling down in creepy unsettling laughter i'm guessing the same laughter batman had with the joker in the killing joke it's, <laughs> it's, killing it's, it's yeah just before he shot just before he shot the joker the killing joke the same laughter this, um... is,
1: this is immediately after <laughs> this is immediately after the scene where columbo shows up to ask him uh, a couple more questions in an empty ballroom
2: in which Patrick McGowan is lit by a spotlight. Yes! Oh my god, that's great. Well, it's the same scene, too, where, I mean, you're talking about, like, the dance between the two, and McGowan has that line where he knows what Columbo's doing. He's like, oh, you're rather subtle for a man who appears so overt, which is such a great, a great, like, villain Columbo sort of line, I think. I like Columbo's
0: (laughs) response to that, too, because that was a real good Columbo acknowledging that it was really an insult. Mm Mm-hmm. When he says, uh, is that good, sir?
2: Yes, yes, yeah. Right, yeah, And yeah. it's
0: basically Columbo says, all right, I know what you said, but we're going to keep up this civility.
2: Right. Until I had to figure out how the hell you did this. Right. And nail you yep. to the wall. Until I find the cheese. With your cheese, yes. All, Columbo at, all Columbo all that at home. Stuff is, all <laughs> that stuff is good.
1: And like, but th- there's there's two problems with it. Uh, that again make this episode bullshit for me. Uh, oh, one is that there's one is that there's just not enough of it because the you know the ending is such a foregone conclusion and it's you know I mean pardon the pun but it's such a very cheesy conclusion.
2: Right. Uh,
1: but th- there's not enough of it, and like the the actual ending or. or, or Okay, I'll go back. There's not enough of it. And Columbo's part isn't up to what McGowan's doing. Because McGowan, like, his part is, if you looked at the script, this is a mediocre script, I feel like. And it can be because it's Patrick McGowan and Peter Falk, and they're both very good at what they do. But while McGowan is just, like, walking around casually discussing his murder and, like, just barking laughter like barking fake laughter at Columbo on the street. Like Columbo never really has anything that is like the kind of the, you know, I've got you. Like he never, like he's always saying it, but he's, he never has that moment of, of yeah, like I'm going to bring you down. You're not going to get out of this one. Mm -hmm. Like he just kind of just says from moment one, like, you did this, right? Like, did, Would you just tell me you did this? Can you tell me you did this?
2: I mean, that's not, it's interesting you bring that up because um, I'm looking at my notes and there's an odd thing that I, you don't usually see in the series where they actually like uh, cut Colombo's legs out from under him at one point when he goes to the uh, dry cleaning place and he's like, oh, you got a suit? Oh, good. It's wet. That's good. That could be proof. And it's this whole long scene where the guy, the the guy, the dry cleaning place, like, oh, sure, we'll give you the suit, we cooperate with the police. And then, I don't know, some other guy who works there is washing it, just completely erasing that whole avenue for Columbo, which, that was weird to me, because usually they don't show that sort of thing, where he's like, oh, I got something, and like, oh, no, I've got nothing, and he has to start from scratch again.
3: Yeah, there there aren't typically a lot of red herrings, but the wetsuit yeah. absolutely ended up being one. Even though he confronts him with the suit at the end, anyway,
1: right? Yeah, he's just, yeah. He's just rolling the dice on that one. Yeah, um, I, but th- I will say one thing that's fucking great though. If you go back and look at the scene where he reads the fax joke, mm-hmm. he's carrying that copy of Police Chief magazine at that point.
2: Oh no, he's got a thr- he's got it through most of the episode. He's got that yeah. magazine, yes. Which so you know, I mean, been, which is nice, yeah.
1: Which is hilarious that they made this for like you know the second or third time you see it. This is you know I'm watching it for the <laughs> third time right now.
2: Yes, that Columbo's it, been reading that magazine and reading that magazine and studying, doing his research, and yeah,
3: yeah. I think the script in this episode is kind of a double edged sword because on the one hand it's kind of clever, and on the <laughs> other hand, like it's got that like weird overt stuff, right. But, you spend the whole episode being like what why is that why is this in here why did he do this but like i even feel like it kind of works both ways as as far as like what's happening behind the scenes with the police because at one mm-hmm. point there's kind of a, like a nice subtle <clears throat> moment where columbo is confronting the congressman and the congressman is basically basically asking him you're spending a lot of time on a suicide um why are you, why are you taking up so much of your time on a suicide and Columbo tells the the congressman, "Oh well, it's been changed to a murder case."
2: Yes, right. which and, I think is to it's like a throw him off to get him to shake up. Yeah, yeah, his it's, buddy too. Yeah,
3: it it at first you're kind of like, "Oh wow, they changed it to a murder case," and then you kind of think, "Oh, Columbo might just be lying to him."
2: Yes, right. he probably is. Yeah, yeah, um,
3: but then at the end, <clears throat> so that's like a nice like thing where the the viewer kind of has to decide what happened behind the scenes with the police right then at the end there's another moment where the viewer has to decide what happened behind the scenes with the police but the police made a terrible decision because they decide to hey let's go uh, arrest this man who is deeply involved in this presidential campaign this presidential race on the
2: night of the primary <laughs>
0: That's gonna that's gonna have a lot of people celebrating in San Francisco.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like thinking about that too, um, because the um, the racketeer fellow, the older fellow, who anybody want to jump in with a comp- comparison here? Oh, is was Ken-
0: Kenny Rogers racketeers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, the Kenny Rogers <laughs> racketeers um, said you don't need anything more than just innuendo. So, like right. this. Even if even if this arrest doesn't lead to a conviction, this is enough to destroy Patrick McGowan's career. It's enough to destroy his buddy's career. Hell, it's enough to almost torpedo the presidential candidate by association that he wanted this guy who was associated with this corruption case back in nineteen sixty nine. So even if, if uh Finch gets out of this, their their lives and their jobs and their careers are pretty much dead finished. Yeah, what, a, it's, what an amazing it's just time it thi- is!
3: Yeah. it's yes. just a weird thing where, like, that's clearly something to add to the drama of a television show. Yeah, where they would absolutely say, like, "Well, let's arrest him the day after the primary." Right? Where we Quiet, can just, like, quietly, quietly, I think
0: they would they would call <laughs> him in to the police station. Too, they wouldn't send a bunch of cops down to some
3: public locale, where, where Columbo <laughs> has to like kind of kind of scoot by a bunch of people. And, and right, find, and find an room.
2: empty conference room where they were alerting or studying for their uh, insurance exams. So
0: so few arrests day. are made in a crowd with the arresting officer silently pointing at the person he wants to arrest and seeing if he can wrangle an invitation to go closer. Right. <laughs> yes.
3: yes. The, you know, I will I, say it's kind of all worth it just because of the part at the very end where, you know, Columbo's like – Telling him, oh, you know your rights. So you're under arrest. And McGowan is just sitting there watching the TV because mm-hmm. he wants to see the, you know, the victory speech.
2: Yes. And that... he watches it and then goes like a single piece of cheese. A single <laughs> piece of cheese or a bite of you? Yeah, it was just. it's this a is, weird ending. Yeah.
0: This is terribly dumb, but my dream mm. ending. what I was really hoping for because I, I was looking for symmetry in the episode is I really wanted McGowan's last line to be, do we have time to get some frozen yogurt? Because <laughs> one of the first things he says in the episode is, he's talking to his friend who's about to get the, the Veep nod. Yeah. And he says, after this, I'll take you for the best frozen
2: yogurt. Oh, today. right. Oh. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I really wanted the frozen <laughs> yogurt to bookend everything. Yeah. Can, can I <laughs> take here, this down Here's a... something that you might not know, is that Matt Wilson uh, does
2: not like frozen yogurt. <laughs> No. I
3: don't dislike frozen yogurt. It's just not ice cream. <laughs> it, depends,
2: uh, it depends. It depends on the kind. Some varieties are nice and uh, soft and creamy. Some kind uh, tastes like ice ice milk. It depends uh, how they're making it. Yeah. Look, I will eat yogurt
3: and I will enjoy it, but I will be thinking the entire time about how it's not ice cream.
2: Well, no, that's understandable because it's not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're
0: identifying myself? its actual its categorization. Congratulations.
3: Uh. Can I take us down a weird rabbit trail for a second? Wait. Oh wait, on this show? Be- because, <laughs> yeah, go uh, ahead. There's something that I was thinking about the entire episode mm-hmm. that um I think you guys will enjoy and I know Chris will. Um so McGuan is playing, you know, a very Patrick McGuin character in this. But he's also playing like an attorney who is constantly worried about time. He's constantly mm-hmm. worried about being places on time. He's got a very busy schedule, mm-hmm. like he when when columbo tells him the joke like after he does that big boisterous fakeish laugh yeah he says he says something to columbo like maybe uh if he had uh read that joke a few minutes earlier or he something about if he had done something different with that joke uh he'd still be alive and i wouldn't
2: be late for lunch mm-hmm. yeah there's mm-hmm.
1: and there's a big thing in the previous scene about how uh he's like what is it, his likes? he says it weird. He's I have he's
2: lost to town in 3 minutes He like that, yeah.
1: instead of saying what time do you have he says what o'clock do you have. Yes, right. <laughs> yes. My, and then he describes <laughs> it as my timepiece.
3: Yeah, he's my he's constantly timepiece. talking he's constantly talking about time and he has very exacting like minute amounts
1: in oh, mind. Hold on, for I'm going to
0: He asks what hour it doesn't ask what hour do you have.
1: But he says what o'clock.
0: What a yeah, clock! I remember uh, yeah, that's, a, a that's a real German kind of th- way to say it. You know, "Wie viel Uhr What hour is? Oh, and that's you know, there's that joke in Casablanca about what clock is it? It is uh, eight o'clock. Oh, such clock! That's you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing a little search here, and uh, Finch might be a German name. Oh, so we might be able to extrapolate a little background for this guy and say he's possibly even was born in Germany and brought to the U.S. Very uh, much like my father, I suppose.
3: But he's got this very clipped way of speaking as well. Yeah. And so the entire time I was watching this, I was like, "This is the Clock King."
2: Ah, yes. Uh, that's, that's what I was that, going. That you should sure say uh, that, yes. The, this is the Clock King, specifically
3: uh, yeah. from Batman the Animated Series.
2: No, Down I mean, the and actually, actually, and actually, uh, Alan Rakins, uh, his his weird, vo- yeah, his weird vocal, his inflections are actually kind of similar to Patrick McGowan's a little bit, it's, yeah. It's very similar. Definitely. Oh I was my thinking, gosh! Yeah, you're what a, right, What man. a great like Holy if they had cow. done
0: a Batman '66 type show starting in '88, that uh, Maguire would have made an amazing Joker, <clears throat> complete with mustache.
2: But if,
3: I almost wonder if he's if like he's some kind of weird inspiration for the Batman animated series clocking.
2: It- Maybe I mean the divorce thing. I never really thought about that before, but yeah, I could see that because the clock came that, on the animated brother, series yeah. was an attorney. Yes, and oh Ooh. hey, and he would have yeah, he kind of talked the same way. Wow, you know. Oh, what? and
0: he he'd been trapped in a Welsh village for several years.
2: Yeah, that too. Yes, <laughs> a giant ball eating people. He had yes. a giant ball, right? Yeah, exactly. Holy crap! <laughs> no, that's now I'm like, like going in my head. Uh, that character's dialogue, yeah, that that is not dissimilar in the least. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch Where?
0: it again. I'll pop it up on the Tumblr if there's an online version. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely do that. Uh, one thing, because uh, uh, we're getting uh, towards the end of things, one thing we cannot not bring up, uh, mm-hmm. we would be uh, painfully remiss in bringing up um, a, se- a secondary, tertiary character in this episode, a beloved old character from the '70s, Columbo's uh, Sergeant Kramer, Bruno. Bruce Kirby. Bruce, Bruce, Cur- Cur- Bruce Kirby, as uh, Sergeant Kramer, is in this episode. I believe it's the only 90s one he's in, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think so, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And in there, just as annoyed with Columbo as ever, does not want to eat the dead man's cheese, even though Columbo <laughs> forces him to.
1: That's a yeah, I song. really want to talk for like 25 Let's, minutes about
2: that. Yes, it's wonderful. And it's just such a perfect thing of those two characters getting back together, but Bruce Kirby is wonderful in this. I, I, w- I was so happy and smiling when he showed up, and he was acting the exact same way, and he was still the sergeant, and still just annoyed with uh, Columbo's stuff. I, I signed with it. him
3: entirely on that, by the
2: way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, oh, I, yeah. It's, it's a little
3: strange. Was, beca- not, not just because like it's oh, a dead man's all,
2: cheese. It's strange. It's a first little like Colombo, Colombo is definitely
3: tampering <clears throat> with a crime
1: scene.
2: Well, not that he knows they didn't do the cheese. I just—I uh, really
1: like the idea of like. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. What and did shedding. you just? What did you just say, RJ? What did you just say? <laughs> oh, the guy didn't use the use cheese. The cheese. This, cr- <laughs> this entire investigation
2: hinges <laughs> on the cheese. One square <laughs> of it, but the entire wedge was. square. the entire did... wedge of expensive Reggiano cheese? Was left intact. He
3: he cuts to the cheese with his with his fucking dirty, gross pocket knife. <laughs> then it's great. Him to eat it off the pocket knife. That's are wonderful. you are you
1: more worried about the fact that he's that Colombo pull like fishes a dirty pocket knife out of his pocket to cut this expensive block of Reggiano, was or it, are you worried about the fact that it is sitting? was
2: Reggiano. Was it Reggiano? It is sitting yeah, it was eighteen Reggiano.
1: inches away from a man who shot himself in the head with a thirty-eight <laughs> caliber pistol. That's
2: true. <laughs> Hey, yeah, filling no blood...
1: the room with gunpowder and blood spray. Well, no, no, only one drop one, one drop. one
2: tiny drop of blood under the pistol. That's it. It was a very I was clean thinking, By murder. the way,
1: about that, about
0: that. I'm thinking, you know, because the exit wound is where the blood comes from. So that's a drop of blood that comes from. Oh, the okay, room. so would And I'm sure side. on the other side of the desk, it just looks like There's someone
2: brains and horrible yeah. things and okay.
0: someone someone just emptied a. Chili it looks bar. like a knight. Nice,
2: yeah, I was going to say. I mean, the nice, knights of that Columbus should be holy. sitting
0: in a pool of blood. So I'm not going to. I thought it was telegio, which is a delicious cheese, no, which is a ragiano. nice soft, fruity cheese. But yeah, Reggiano is just like a dry, hard.
1: It's not a pleasant cheese to my mind. Oh,
2: I like Reggiano quite a bit. I guess actually, I do too, but I, I like it chunk. like, I like nice it shred, like, like a
1: real ass Italian Reggiano. Yeah, like that's that's. Good I, still stuff. Really I still think of it
0: as really dry. Still think of as really dry. Not but so good
1: that I would eat it off a corpse, which
2: is yeah. basically all right. What's but okay, here. so so what? Uh, so what flavor of cheese do you think uh, Sergeant Kramer is more of a fan of?
1: He likes craft singles. Probably <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He gets the Rotel. He gets the can of Rotel. He gets the block of Velveeta. Some tortillas, chips. <laughs> Look,
3: he gets he gets whiz. He gets whiz
2: on his cheesesteak steak or nut.
0: Ah, that's that makes him suddenly.
2: Oh, Sergeant Kramer. God bless you, Sergeant Kramer. Thank you for hmm. showing up again.
0: We need a backstory for Sergeant Kramer. We've really. Oh, there will
2: be. We got a couple. Who more he is
0: and where he comes we from. We got
2: a couple okay, more episodes to
0: talk
1: about with him. There's one more thing I got to talk about. Uh, Maguin post murder. You know, he, he disposes of everything in, in what I think is a very clever way. Like he he throws away the uh bundle of aluminum foil that actually has the uh shell casing and the bullet in it that he pulled the powder out of to fake the powder burns. Right. He throws that away at his house. He throws the the rubber gloves that he wore, he throws those out at uh his the the uh uh Bill Gaines' neighbor's house <laughs> uh, he, you know, he, he throws things away in different places. He makes sure to get it all. One weird thing he does is he, instead of just leaving the ashes in the the cigar ashes in the ashtray, because you could uh, presumably tell that it was just an entire cigar, like cut up and and put torn up and put in the thing instead of the ashes of a cigar. Uh, he takes those and empties the ashtray in a toilet. Yeah. And then you know, wipes off his hands and flushes everything down. But go back and watch that scene because that toilet is on a pedestal, Hmm. and I don't understand. Like, I mean, I know Columbo is about Columbo fighting the rich, but I have never seen anybody so rich that they put a toilet up on a pedestal.
0: I would, I would like to point out one thing about that that toilet that I really loathed, which is that it has stains in it.
2: Oh, yeah, it was great. Wait, was, it was, that his office, though? was that his office, though? It was his office one, so. Well, he, he don't care about the little people. That probably wasn't in his <laughs> office. It was probably for the staff to use. Or actually, he probably he does an stains in an office That's all the ashes. That's all the ashes.
0: No, no, there's little, there's little rust-colored stains, which I'm willing to accept are hard water or mineral deposits. Well, but John, it was that's unpleasant to see. People.
2: That's the cleaning people in his it building. Just, and he's really got to hire a different service. He's got to hire a different service. Speaking of cleaning people... Uh, there was the let's weird... clean some. Well, no, there was the uh, weird uh, business uh, comedy sort of business with a dry cleaning guy. The Columbo asks about uh, picking up yeah. dry cleaning deliveries. I got no
0: finches, but I got a Mrs. Bird.
2: Yeah, yeah. what was that whole thing? That guy, had, he was auditioning had, for a bad show. I don't know what that was. That they was had a to weird kill. Thing. They had to kill two minutes. That's it, What it felt like that? Yeah, yep. it was killing time. Um,
0: successful time killing.
2: Uh, not, I thought uh, it was actually nice. Uh, the the so they had the cigar stink in uh, Finch's office. Uh, his his secretary's assistant, very nice lady, and you almost think at first it's going to be one of those officious uh, kind of uh, ladies who's always angry at Columbo, mm-hmm. but it ends up very nice between them. He gives yeah, her a sweet. thank you note, which I thought was a great little Columbo thing. That he gave her a thank you note for giving him a can of the very nice, uh, rare, expensive air freshener.
0: Oh, speaking of which, here's another I uh, thought it was a really uh sweet scene when he gets the uh, the autograph. Yes, I the got there.
2: that down too. Yes, please John, talk of And, that, but, and yeah.
0: the the Senator asks, What's your wife's name? And Columbo leaning in very close says, Mrs. Columbo.
2: And then it cuts the commercial.
0: <laughs> and they cut the commercial and yes! it's gone.
2: That's such a great weird thing. It's That's delightful. So bizarre. It? It's so nice. Yeah. That-
3: I th- I feel like that is in there. Like the two Oh, my wife would really like this moments are supposed to be some kind of like a weird comment on politicians.
1: Oh, how where so? Like,
3: well okay. So the 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 secretary in the the law office like Columbus like I don't want to trouble you, but where did you get that spray? My wife would love it and so on, and she gives him the spray the, like a bottle that she has left Out of the kindness of her heart mm-hmm. Even though it's really hard to get Right. And so Columbo is genuinely thankful about that Gives her a thank you note And they establish like a real human connection Right Whereas when Colombo asks the congressman For an autograph Or for the governor's autograph He is visibly annoyed At the request But tries to be polite about it anyway
2: Ah, okay yeah yeah.
3: And and makes no connection with Columbo about it. He yeah, just knows know that he has to do it. Right. To out of obligation.
2: Right. Oh, here's a cop. Here's a potential nice thing to do and yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um uh, Can I, other... I have
0: I have one thing on my notes. It'll be very quick, but it was really baffling to me. Uh in the campaign room in the hotel where they were holding the campaign office, mm. uh some some motherfucker put a bumper sticker right on one of those paintings. Oh,
2: I saw that. Yes, that's terrible. <sighs>
0: It's going to take forever to get that off. That's again? you Oh, yeah. You're you
2: putting you put a, uh, a fish out the window? What is this? Your rock band? What Come on. That's terrible. No, uh, there's, oh. some, there's some rock band. They put like a, a swordfish out a window or something terrible after doing something with it. I'm not going to get into that. It's an old okay. rock legend thing. It's disgusting. <laughs> fair fair yeah, enough. Never mind. It's right, that was my last band. note. That was the only um, thing uh, I had. My one thing. I told you the hotel they use, uh, the Biltmore in oh, yeah. L.A. is a location. Um that hotel is the hotel that was used uh, in Ghostbusters as the hotel they go to to uh, fight the ghosts for the first time. Um, Yeah, it's the Sedgwick. Yeah, Sedgwick, yes, it's the Sedgwick. That's not the ballroom. I guess the ballroom uh, in Ghostbusters is actually some sort of room off the ballroom. It's like some music room or uh, reception room now. Uh, But actually, the lobby they keep using with the interesting beams in the ceiling, uh, that also is used... As the uh, basis uh, for the Tower of Terror ride at the uh, Disney theme parks. Like, it's the same design and everything. Um, I got that from a site called ScoutingLA.com, which is a Location Scout. <laughs> but yeah, they've got this whole feature showing all the places in uh, the Biltmore that were actually used as locations for um, uh, the Sedgwick. And also in this Colombo episode, you can see a little bit of that. So I thought that was. An interesting thing. Nobody else agrees with me. All right then, God bless. We're getting us tired, everyone. Down. It's That's right, uh, Mrs. Colombo. Yes. We're anyway, all, we're all
0: ready to confess our murders and go home.
2: Yes. Listen, um, I've had a lot of
1: coughing fits over the past uh past hour or so.
2: Well, let's. Uh, I hope
0: you, I hope you recorded those into a separate podcast.
2: Yes, that'd be a good one. We'll throw it in. That'll be the that'll be the uh, the uh, the the bumper the stinger and the stinger Huck, in the second. Hucking up
0: with Chris Sims.
2: Yes. I I would They'll go with just a simple cough sims. <laughs> 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 yes, that works fine. Uh, all right, so let's wrap things up a bit. Uh, we'll go around the horn. Uh, get your final impressions of the episode. Let's start with Matt Wilson. Overall, what did you think of this one? I think I I mean I agree
3: with Chris to a degree that the episode. <laughs> Was bullshit in many ways about just like the evidence Goodness. And, and that kind of stuff. Vintage. But I ended up <laughs> liking the episode a whole lot, uh, mainly because of Patrick McGoohan. And also, like, I don't know, the, like the political election setting mm-hmm. felt different uh, for a Colombo episode. And, and it was just like a different kind of feel. Um so in the end I ended up liking it a lot. Maybe the direction helped too. Yeah. Uh but in spite of some some very notable flaws. Right. I liked it.
2: Chris Sims, overall what did you think of this episode?
1: Uh it was bullshit. Oh Sometimes. dear. No, like there's a there's a lot of good in it. There's a lot of good scenes in it. Uh pretty much any time that there's a long scene of McGuan and and uh Peter Falk oh, together Oh they work
2: yeah the, the chemistry there is great and right from the start Yeah once as soon as you see them working together it's like comfortable shoes in a way it's so nice There's yeah. a
1: there's a little too much I think of of uh Peter Falk playing a straight man to McGuan's like ridiculous over the top reactions but also wow. like what else are you going to do Right uh, but I feel like there's not enough of that to justify how, like, ridiculously flimsy the climax is and how ridiculously flimsy this this murder uh, is at the beginning. And, and I think also, if this episode wasn't a full 91 minutes long, mm. like, it, there's a lot I feel like you could cut out of this and and, you know, maybe rework it a little bit so that you had more of that. More of that joust, more of the chess game. Uh, I think it would be a lot better. But like as it stands, like it is of the three Magoon episodes, by far my least favorite.
2: Okay, I, I'm going to ask you uh, before I uh, give my opinion, uh, Matt and Chris, uh, how many of the uh, the later era '90s episodes uh, Columbo's have you seen? Is this the only one?
1: The only one, yeah, for me. Oh, ooh. Matt,
2: I've seen a few. Oh, okay, um,
3: <laughs> but it's been years and years. All and right, I don't, I... I don't remember them being very good.
2: All right, yeah, I'm going to say, uh, especially to Chris, this is an oasis. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> this really is, is a large tub of ice in a desert. Oh, well, of you know, sand I wanted... and heat and evil and snakes. This this is <laughs> a wonderful episode to me. I wanted this is a George wonderful, and we've done we've done like three or four '90s episodes in a row, so getting this was like. <sighs> So I enjoyed it for all of it for for its a uh, few faults, I was able to overlook them easily because it was, I thought it was wonderful and fun and yeah I think I I the, given that the writer uh wrote some other ones that are perhaps not so good, it's not a surprise at some of the uh, the seams showing in this one, but I think uh, the seams were probably uh, mightily worked against and mightily patched over by. Uh, McGowan directing it, and just he and Peter Falk working together really well and actually, the entire supporting cast was actually rather good because a lot of these later era episodes you get the murderer and the people around him. the acting 's not so great, but this one it was pretty solid across the board i thought yeah we we forgot to mention Mrs. Finch,
0: whose entire job in the the two scenes she had, which were to be Oh, I sure like shopping, and oh, it's the police. Well, you can go fuck yourself,
2: yes, right, and she yeah, did yeah. with
0: aplomb, yeah, I thought she was remarkably fun, even though all she was really doing was just cock blocking Columbo
2: mm-hmm. um and then also the guy who played the, the the brief, brief part of the governor, um Arthur Hill, mm-hmm. uh, who' is a character actors around for a long time, who was very good. I was like surprised to see him in this and I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought, overall, I thought it was not a terrible episode. I thought it was rather good. Yeah. So, John. Yes, sir. What would you rate this episode?
0: Well, I tell you, from the 90s episodes, like if we were just rating 90s episodes, it's 10 to 10. Yes. Because I, I'm not sure, with one or two exceptions, if the 90s gave us a better episode. So, oh, wow. Take take that! Goodness, nice for what you mean. There's, you know, obviously I love. Oh, wait, Butterfly. Did, was he?
2: But did McGowan do more than what he did? Another night. Yes, he one. did. He, he did another, two. He didn't 90s direct episode. it, but he acted in another one. I think.
0: Yeah, he. I think yeah, yeah. he directed that one oh, too. Oh, really?
2: Actually. Oh, okay.
0: I'll have to double check. But uh, yeah, he was in two, and I think they're both really good. Um, uh, 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 uh I'm trying to think of other 90s episodes we really liked. I like Butterfly and Shades of Grey. I thought oh, was, yeah. Strong one. Yes. I'm sure there's two or three other ones we've mentioned, because the 90s we describe as being like a wasteland, and generally they're not – when they're bad, they're bad, but there's not as many bad ones as we, we make it seem.
2: No, like. right. I, it's, it's joking with that. It's not yeah. – you're, you're right. That
0: yeah. being said, the writer, Jeffrey Bloom, <sighs> really has written – Two barkers, and if it weren't for Falk coming up with the clues and obviously doing some some writing over it, right? And and McGuin doing the directing and probably some writing over it, yes. I think this would have been a real rough episode. Oh but yeah, I'm, I'm still willing to give it eight out of ten interrupted faxes to Hawaii.
2: Oh. See, I was gonna guess eight out of ten uh, issues of Police Chief Magazine.
0: I can give it three out of ten issues of Police Chief, <laughs> Madness, and then an additional four issues of Chief of Police Quarterly, and then maybe two <laughs> copies of Meter Made Monthly.
2: <laughs> That's a lot of subscriptions.
0: Well, yeah, it's you know, it's an important, it's an important business. Oh, it is. So disappointed to find out it was it was not Telegio. I thought
2: it was Telegio. No, it's Reggiano. That's a good cheese. I like Reggiano. Nice try some Telegio. Have you ever tried Yeah, I don't think I have.
0: You should try it. It's We've delicious.
2: got a good uh, uh, De Bruno Brothers, good cheese shop here at telegio. All right, let me write that down. We'll Go get, we'll get it. Is it T A L E G G I O?
0: That's correct. Okay. It's a washed rind cheese, always my
2: favorite. Oh, I like those too. All right. <laughs> telegio cheese. Hey, everybody.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Colombo Cheese Hour.
2: Uh, all right, well, I. Uh, Matt, what do you have going on uh, that people should be uh, t- paying attention to or downloading or checking out these days?
3: Well, uh, Chris and I are both on the War Rocket Ajax podcast, which you can find at com mm-hmm. and on iTunes. Uh, we also host another show uh-huh. called Movie Fighters uh, yes. where we watch bad movies. Currently, we're in a A a series of films featuring rap stars, rappers. Hey, good. Rappers rappers who went into acting. Double uh, threats. That's right. We're having a lot of fun with that, so you can check that out at moviefighterscast.com and also on iTunes. Uh, Currently, there's not a new issue right now of the comic that I write about a robot detective called Copernicus Jones Robot Detective. Yes. But there are seven issues that you can find right now on Comixology. Okay. uh, Written by me with art by Kevin Warren, who does an amazing job. Uh, There's also a Kickstarter-funded trade paperback of that book that uh, I have several boxes of right now. Uh, (laughs) if If you see me at a convention, you can come pick that up. I may try to figure out a way to sell it online as well. Um, But for now, it's just kind of a convention-only thing or a Kickstarter-only thing. Um, But that is also available. It's got the first six issues in it. And, uh, yeah, I think those are the main things right now.
2: All right. Uh, Chris, how about you? What what do you have uh, coming up uh, that wasn't already covered uh, with your joint podcasts?
1: Uh, Well, in addition to the shows that I do with Matt, I also have uh, a show that's very similar to what you do here. Uh, except instead of talking about a forty-year-old detective show, I talk about a twenty-year-old anime for tiny children called Sailor Moon. Okay, then. Uh, and I don't know which of those is sadder. Eh. To be honest, it's about the same. I think. No, but, I'm say, no I was, uh, we'll put I a poll see. up on Twitter.
2: Yeah, we'll pull, see how it turns out.
1: We do a we do an episode by episode podcast uh, about Sailor Moon called Sailor Business. I do that with Jordan I like that D title, White.
2: Though I like that title.
1: Uh, Jordan's also my editor at Marvel. Uh, where I write some comics, what's and that? in fact, what's Marvel? I uh, don't
2: know what that is. It's... Uh, they, I think they do Superman. Oh, no, cool! It's it's Disney. Oh, right, right. do right, oh, we the Disney know comics. what that it's, is. It's anyhow, anyhow, yeah, you got a thing going out there. Yeah, I'm the I'm the
1: co-writer of X Men '92 over there, which is a series about the the '90s X Men uh, having all new adventures. And uh, if you'd like to check that out, it the first. <laughs> Uh, miniseries was four issues, uh, in print and eight issues digitally. Uh, it was a tie in to the Secret Wars event, but mm-hmm. you do not need to read Secret Wars to read <laughs> X Men 92. <laughs> I assure God. you. Uh, the paperback for that, uh, is coming out on March 9th. Oh, geez. And,
2: hey, nice.
1: Yeah, coming out real soon. Not and actual then the. Paper. Uh, not bad. And it's the, got a it back. The, <laughs> the uh,. We are coming back for an ongoing series that starts off in, uh, on March 30th. It's available okay. in stores. And if you're interested in that and you know how comics uh, retail works, final order cutoff for that is on March 7th. So if you are okay. interested, please tell your local retailer well, to this,
2: get this Well, this will, this will be going up before that. So get that final order cutoff, folks listening to our Columbo podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, otherwise you can uh, you can get everything digitally. I also do a couple of uh, creator-owned, uh, self-published comics. Oh, right, uh, you just said uh, uh, that, Talker. yeah, that
2: just, uh, that just uh, came back for another issue, too, recently. Yeah, we, yeah. we
1: only took uh, three and a half years. That's about how long it's been since our
2: last episode of this podcast, so yeah, about the same.
1: But yeah, if you go to uh, about.me slash chrissims, you can get a link there to Comixology to buy my books digitally, and uh, also find my Twitter, Tumblr, and uh, the stuff that Matt and I do.
2: Okay, John, uh, briefly, what do you have uh, going on that people should be looking for?
0: Uh, I got nothing coming out right now. Uh, I did find out that a, a very good podcast that uh, recently started up was inspired in part by us. What? And that's a WKRP in Cincinnati specific podcast.
2: Oh, I've heard about this. I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I've been called this,
0: yeah. "Hold Hold My Order," terrible dresser.
2: Nice. Yes. A little deep cut. Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just mentioned in passing that uh, that our podcast had something to do with really uh, this. Yeah. Oh dang. Courtesy. Courtesy. I found that out via our former multi-time guest Leonard Pierce. But
2: yeah, I. We should have them on. I'd like to have. I'd like. Oh, to be on I'd, their, to I'd a, like. I'd like to be on their show. I, I talk about WKRP a little long day.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's see what happens.
2: All right. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening, you WKRP folks. Uh, we like WKRP. We can,
0: we can write them.
2: We booger, just, booger. I'll just, say.
0: We can just write them.
2: That's right. Yeah, the little, the little kid in the thing like the the the, 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 the 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 military school kid. I see. I know. I know the stuff. I know what I'm talking about. Signals I'm sending. Anyway. Such a long episode we've done. Yes, I've got Welcome nothing... Welcome back. I've got nothing going. So there we go. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, we did this one. It took us a while to get a new one, but uh, we have this one <coughs> up We're recording another one, so we'll have uh, hopefully a ring uh, string of a few. Uh, See so if folks don't have to wait so long. Uh, but yeah, that's the program. Thank you, Chris and Matt, for coming back and talking about a 90s episode. I uh, Appreciate that. This I enjoyed watching this one at least. Um... But yeah, that's the show. Uh, you can listen to new or old episodes of Just One More Thing at uh, com or in the podcast section of iTunes. Uh there in the TV and movie uh, wing of that joint or whatever podcast uh, app you use. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we like to repost things about Columbo. We'll get back to you. We'll talk back to folks. That's uh, JMT podcast on Twitter. And then also, uh, we got joptpodcast.tumblr.com where we'll post about the new episodes. And also, John posts uh, screen grabs and further expanded thoughts about what we've watched and seen and uh, whatever interesting stuff we find on that website uh, where people like to post photos of television shows and also memes. Lots of memes. Everybody loves memes. Alright, well that's the show. I'm RJ White. I'm John Morris, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. It'll be a '70s one, we promise. Robert Conrad, exercising, sweaty and greasy. Bye. Uh, Gladiator movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, listen, just one more thing. Excuse me. Yeah? I got a question for you. Give me a try. My wife is convinced I'm smarter than I look. Now, ah, you pick up and deliver laundry in this area, right? Yeah, I think it says that right on the side of the van there.
1: You got something more tricky than that? Ah. Because
0: one of your customers happened to be the Finch family. Finches?
3: No, no finches no sparrows no ah. robins no larks ah. missus bird though if that'll do you any good ah. you know? and i used to be absurd but now you hardly know it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>